0: Welcome to Cat Chat, the pet talk podcast devoted to the physical and emotional well-being of cats and their people. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of the Cat Bible, everything your cat expects you to know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. This show is brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, where they speak for cats, which is what this program is all about. My co-host is the feline expert, Dr. Michael Maria Delgado, along with other cat authors and experts. The show is made possible with the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, a company privately owned by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian. Whose mission has been to personally formulate a wide variety of litters for all types of cats so they keep using their litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. Dr. Elsie also created his own cat food called Clean Protein wet and dry foods that are specifically appropriate for a cat's nutrition needs because they're based on the protein a cat eats naturally. Clean Protein is the first dry cat food I personally can recommend because it is based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. Please show your appreciation that Dr. Elsie's underwrites this show by choosing their products whenever you can. I have such great pleasure in announcing that it is the 500th episode of the Community Cats Podcast which was created by and is driven by this marvelous woman, Stacy LeBaron, who happens to be a fellow Vermonter, which is completely irrelevant. She is just amazing. Stacy. I really take my hat off to you. When I first heard there was a Community Cats podcast, I thought, well, that's ambitious. I mean, How many people want to listen to that podcast? Well, it turns out, not only do tons of people listen, but you've had everybody imaginable in the cat-centric world as your guests on the podcast. So there you were in June of 2016. What gave you the idea to do this thing, which at the time was kind of bizarre, a podcast? People didn't even know what it was. What made you do this and then keep doing it? It's so incredible. Yeah, well,
1: Tracy, thank you so much for, for having me on the on the show today. And and we are thrilled, the whole team here at the Community Cats Podcast. We're just jumping for joy with the excitement of passing our 500th episode. And what, what made me think about this idea was I had run a mentoring program for organizations who wanted to start Trap New to Return programs, and I had 400 groups on my waiting list. Oh, my goodness. And I am not a person that wants to say, hey, I can't help you, there's nothing I can do for you. And I certainly couldn't work and mentor all of them, but I could help with giving advice, and I had wonderful conversations with people, and I always felt, wow, I wish I could record that and share that conversation with others. And so it just became, as podcasts became more popular, it really just sort of grew from there organically. Um, And my son, who was 13 and learning how to play the electric guitar and recording songs... He said, Mom, this is so easy. Create a podcast and just do it.
0: And so I said, hey, I'll just do it and and see what happens. That's really quite extraordinary, just to start with the original number of 400. That's a lot of groups. They're obviously more than one person per group. 400 groups learned that Stacey LeBaron was there to help them find their way in doing Trap, Neuter, Return of Cats. I mean, how did they even find you?
1: Yeah, well... They learned about this mentoring program that I did many years ago uh, with Brian Cordes, who we know from Neighborhood Cats. Um, and we did this mentoring program that was supported by PetSmart Charities at the time. So really, PetSmart Charity did oh, a lot of the outreach oh, back see. then. And, th- and I had my wait list to be part of a mentoring program to teach organizations how to start a trap, neuter, return program you know, within their organizations. Now, now over time, I really help a lot of the individual trappers that are out there. So I envision people listening to my podcast while they're sitting out there trying to trap that last cat at two o'clock in the morning in their colony. I just don't want anyone to feel like they're left behind.
0: Right. We're here. We're all here. We're all trying to help cats. and, And that's what we're all about. That's pretty amazing that you start with 400 groups. It explains it, that PetSmart Charities already knew about these groups. They were already probably supporting a good number of them. So then you have a base of at least several thousand people. Interesting, you should start with groups and then be so successful at that, that you're now to the point, it's kind of like these individual trappers are that one last cat. They're kind of out there yep. on their own. They, ha- they aren't part of a group. They don't have that group community support. They're still doing it. They're still out there in the dark of night, s- sitting not by their trap, but near it, obviously, for it to be effective. And there you are still interested in that one individual. Uh, what do you think has you feeling that you are going to be the net that's going to bring them all in? I mean, what about, what is your background with cats that made you realize the vulnerability of that one last kitty or that one last person helping the kitties.
1: Yeah, well, and it's not even vulnerability, but it's the feeling of success. When I was running the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society in Newburyport, Massachusetts, no one ever thought we would have 300 cats in a colony with 14 different feeding stations in the downtown area. Wow. And then be able to say, by 2008, the last feeding station was closed and there are no more
0: you know, community cats down on the
1: waterfront. And so I want to be the optimist. I want to tell people that, you know, getting that last cat, it's worth that extra effort to get that last cat. It's worth the effort to reach out, to talk to your neighbors, to really say, hey, is this your cat? I'm going to put a paper collar on this cat and find out, is this your cat? Is this your cat? If it's not, then we can work on putting a plan together. If it is your cat, how can we support each other to ensure that that cat is getting the care that it needs, whether it's spay, neuter, or, dental i mean we have older community cats now that need other types of services so it's bringing neighbors community members together to create a humane community for cats as well as for other stuff too
0: for our people for our neighbors god that's really quite extraordinary that it is such a community effort not just a community of the cat lovers trying to do the saving but everyone who's touched by it the merrimack um group that recently was the beneficiary of the Cat Film Festival there which was wonderful to learn you're still on their board I didn't realize you that's where your roots were and I had no idea that you went from 14 downtown feeding stations in a fairly small area to 0 I mean in your own not in your own lifetime but in a very controlled amount of time you saw the effectiveness of spay neuter that, that must have been kind yeah. of mind-boggling to you. That's the – what you did in, in real life is the theory of TNR, and I didn't know it could work right down to the ground so there's no more need to give them food and shelter. They're all dying out a, a happyish life and not drying under the wheels of cars or illness or any of the other things that befall unhomed cats.
1: Yeah, I, so often I hear, oh, well, you know, TNR, you know, I understand it, but it's there's been no successful cases yes. of, you know, trap yes. new to return. And we have, we were in a peer-reviewed journal. Our story about Newburyport was in Frontiers magazine with a peer-reviewed story that was research case study that was done on our situation, really showing that it can be done it takes work. It takes community involvement. I mean, our first phone number at the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society was the Chamber of Commerce's phone number. No so we were founded by businesses that were interested in improving the life of cats on the Newburyport waterfront. So businesses were involved. Uh, public health was involved. Animal control, local veterinarians, as well as individuals, caring, concerned, passionate citizens. It's this wonderful mixture of people and energy that really made TNR happen for us in
0: Newburyport. That's that's a a very um, uplifting story, and probably one that you've told more than once to groups that, or to individuals who are skeptical about the value of it. The thing that's interesting to me is how many of the courses, the online courses in behavior and TNR that you give on the Community Cats podcast, which are They their certification, they count as credits. How did you become accredited? I mean, there you are in Vermont, and everything is remote. How did you become approved by the National Animal Care and Control Association, for example? I wouldn't even know, how does one go about that, or the CE credits that people can get? How do you, how did you know to do that? Yeah, so it's,
1: fantastic. It's been a wonderful journey. A couple of years ago, we started our certification program with our uh, trappers certification workshops that are um, presented by neighborhood cats. We, we host them at the community cats podcast. And we also have uh, Dr. Rachel Geller doing a surrender prevention certification workshop. And we have a range of other educational programs um, coming up, our online kitten conference we have in June, which is really one of our highlights of the year. And the certification is so critically important. I know many animal control officers are required to get a certain level of CE units, and we basically just knocked. We knocked on the door. We knocked on the door of the of the um, animal care association. We we just said, reached out to their executive director, and we said, you know, would you be interested in this? And they were like, Are you crazy? We would love it because. Uh, I had had uh, one of their board members on a panel and he said, you know what? Animal control does not have the support needed with regards to community cats. There's very little education out there for animal control in handling community cats and doing TNR. And I'm like, well, they are so welcome to come to any of our events. We are, you know, anybody can come. We are virtual. We have folks from all around the world. I don't know who they are. There's, There's no limits as to who can come and join us. And that's really one thing that's very important to us is that people do feel like our programs are accessible, um, and especially those that, that are on the front lines, and they really need to have as much information as possible.
0: And 26 online events a year, we're here to do that. It's, a, it's an enormous amount. You spoke about the team that is sharing your pride and enthusiasm. How many people are involved in putting together these online workshops? Because some of them, you, you're always so kind and invite me. They go on for days. They have many speakers. It's extremely complex. It's like putting on a real conference in real time in, you know, in the in the flesh, so to speak. How many people help you to organize all the speakers you need to get and how people access the information and the timing of everything. It seems very complicated to me like putting on a show.
1: Well, I mean, I, it is virtual event planning for sure. Uh, we have a, a great group, small, uh, lean, fighting team. Uh, we have uh, uh, Kristen Petrie is my technical cat, and I also think of her as a co-founder. She is, she is the person who makes the podcast the podcast uh, to handles all the technical issues with regards to that as well as our website. Uh, and she is also another one who is really important in creating the, the podcast for years before I even started it, when we were at MRFRS together at the Merrimack Riverview Line Rescue Society together, she said, we need a podcast, Stacey. We need a podcast. No kidding. And so she also has sort of motivated me to, to move into that podcasting space. And then we have Brianna Lovell-Myers, who is our... Uh, hospitality cat, we call her, <laughs> uh, and she takes care of sort of our, our needs of all of our attendees, our sponsors, uh, any advertisers that we have. I mean, she pre- pre- and we also have community cat path holders. So if there are people who just don't want to be bothered with signing up for all of our events, you could be a community cat pass holder, and she just gets you registered for every event um, throughout the course of the year. So that's sort of modeled on the ski pass that we have up here in Vermont. And so, it's so funny. Just the three of us. Yeah, it's just, just the three of you. I mean, yeah. if
0: anyone is even mildly interested in the science behind trap neuter return, the science behind cat behavior, it is very scientific. You have lots of behaviorists who are speakers one at a time and they have individual topics. Community Cats podcast seems to be this m- gathering place for everyone who's passionate about the well-being mostly of unhomed cats, although it it bleeds into some of them might wind up being indoor cats. You know, there. what is the percentage? I don't know if you know the number of feral cats who aren't feral, who live outdoors but would really rather live in your home. Is it 10% or how many of them?
1: Well, it depends on what part of the country that right. you live in. So you asked the question of, you know, how many cats would want to live indoors. Um, I flip it to, you know, what's the capability of the community to absorb cats into their homes. So in uh, Massachusetts, about 50% of the cats that are trapped outdoors, uh, 50% of them usually end up finding a way as an indoor cat. No
0: kidding. Uh, I didn't know so, that. That's high. Yes.
1: Yeah. So the return rates, and there are other parts of Massachusetts where it's even... the the sort of the rescue rate versus the return rate, the rescue rate's a lot higher in in Massachusetts. We do a lot of due diligence with regards to really ensuring that um, an outdoor cat, you know, is truly unowned and there's a variety of ways, paper collars, putting the paper collar on the cat and that kind of thing to determine whether it's an owned cat or not owned cat and working from that standpoint. Other parts of the country, though, there's, much more aggressive return to field rather than right. a more managed situation. And so that's where you would say maybe the kittens. So in Newburyport, using that 300 cats as a, an example, in the first year, 125 cats and kittens were pulled off the waterfront and put up for adoption. So there's kit depending on the time of the year, the kittens are pulled off and, and put up for adoption. Friendly adults were pulled off, put up for adoption. And so that was about a 30% you know, rate of cats going into homes.
0: And that's, of course, when you have lots of kittens, because the kittens can easily be molded to the concept of living within the house. Explain about the paper collars. I didn't know about this. This is very interesting. You put a paper collar on a cat that you trap, fill in the blanks, then what?
1: So actually it's before you trap the cat. So when you're assessing the, the colony of cats, or say you have a group of cats that you're feeding in your backyard and some of them are very friendly, um, and, you know, you're, you're wondering, what should I do next? You know, should I trap this cat? Should I right. bring it to the shelter? What should I do next? Put a paper collar on that cat and say, um, you know, do, is this cat owned by somebody else? If so, call me and let me know and put your phone number on, on that and on that collar so that you can be notified that that cat is owned by somebody else. We just I was just having a phone call earlier today with a, a person who did that with a cat in the neighborhood. And it turned out that the cat was owned by one person, but the cat was being fed by four different families. No kidding. And through the paper collar, there was this m- moment of discovery. So the cat wasn't picked up and taken to a shelter 20 miles away, right. you know, and put up for adoption. And somebody was missing their cat for up to a week's time. And it, there's this whole cascade of it, things that happen that, you know, may not be so great for that cat. And certainly not great for that cat getting to the original home and not great for that family who's missing their cat. Correct. So the paper collar, if you can do a paper collar, you should do that as your first level of due diligence to ensure that that cat's not owned by somebody.
0: That sounds like an amazing idea. I don't want to ask you to describe how you make a paper collar. What I want to say to people is go to Community Cats Podcast and sign up for any or all of these incredible courses that Stacy and her team offer and the wonderful people who participate in giving the courses. I mean, some of them are famous from Animal Planet. Some of them are just regular, devoted people in-the-trenches cat folks that do this, and they didn't get famous, but within Stacy's world, they're definitely heroes. Stacy, we've run out of time, and it's just such a pleasure to be able to congratulate you in person, virtually, remotely, but still in person, and hope that you get to your next 500 podcasts with many, many more success stories like you've already had. Thank you for being here, and thanks for everything you've done for, at this point, probably tens, if not hundreds of thousands of kitties around America. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks so much for listening. I also want to thank Wonderside, founded by a woman entrepreneur who discovered effective natural ways to repel fleas, ticks, and other pests on her pets and around her home instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. Wonderside makes plant-powered products to keep parasites at bay without the harsh chemicals that can be harmful to your cats, your property, and the planet. This show is also supported by the privately developed Magic Fabric Pet Throws that trap hair, dirt, and moisture when cats get up on the furniture bed or your lap. Magic Fabric Pet Throws invite kitty cuddle time without sacrificing your clothes or furniture. A final pause up to Dr. Elsie's again for all the fine products they make and their unwavering support of my mission to make life better for each and every kitty cat and their people.